I am so excited to be talking once again to Rosemary Barenbaum. Of the, well, she's known for the Cake Bible, but she's also she's got cookware. She's written and a gazillion other books. And the current one is a real pleasure for just about everybody, including Rose said herself when she was writing it. It's the Cookie Bible, and who does not love cookies? I started reading your, where the name cookie comes from, because it occurred to me, where did cookies come from? Where did they start? I'm not entirely sure where cookies actually started, but I do know that in Holland, they're called little cakes, and I just learned how to pronounce them from a woman from Morocco who grew up in Holland, and it's called kakia. Oh, It's spelled okay. very differently from how it sounds. So Sounds that's a little the, rude. the Dutch. <laughs> well, yes, I thought of that too. <laughs> a little rude. <laughs> you, you know, um, I I was not at all surprised to find out that this book is amazing because um, and there there are a few cookbook writers, authors and recipe developers that I trust absolutely, and you're at the top of the list. I'm always amazed at how thorough you are. You're just amazingly accurate and thorough. This is my 13th book. This is my 13th book, and I've had a lot of practice. But I do have (laughs) to tell you that there are sometimes little mistakes that are made, not necessarily by me, but by the, the process of publishing. And that one of them is the oatmeal, because... Even in what they call the galleys, which is the first thing that comes out, the bound yeah. galleys, the, the weight was correct at 90 grams. Nobody understands how it became out in the PDF to prove or into the <laughs> final hard copy. It became 52. You know, so yeah. most people, unfortunately, won't weigh, but I wish they would and weigh correctly because yeah. <laughs> make that change in your book. But otherwise, you know, we go through it with a fine-tooth comb. My husband, who was my assistant for 18 years before we got married, he and I proofed back and forth. So, yeah, I want to keep that reputation because I know how disappointing it is. My first cookie became one cookie because it was the recipe on the oatmeal, Quaker oatmeal box, uh-huh. and it all ran together. I remember you were telling Yeah. So, so, therefore, I don't want other people to have that experience. Well, now, but you, you have built into your website a way of, of getting um, notice of these and correcting them, right, these Thank errors. You. So much for pointing that out because I forgot to mention that, yes, on realbakingthrows.com, we have a column that says cookbook corrections or and enhancements because sometimes we found better ways to do things. Sometimes ingredients have changed. So I just posted actually uh, on Facebook and Instagram and on social media because pe- more people look at that. The major benefit of the blog is that you can do that. Right. No, no, I mean, is, is Musk going to subscribe? Excuse me? Oh, no, you Elon. don't have to subscribe. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> no money involved here. Nothing, nothing's free with Musk. That's for sure. What is Musk? Musk? Am I hearing Musk. correctly? How do you spell that? <laughs> Musk. You mean like as in Elon? <laughs> <laughs> well, just, I'll trust that you guys him. understand <laughs> just no. don't worry if you go to my blog our blog I should say because Woody now has taken over after 20 years he knows what my answers will be and the rare time he doesn't he asks and you'll get all, all questions are answered yeah. we're moving on to 20 years in January for this show believe it or not mm. 20 years really doesn't take as long as it sounds to get there well, does it I understand. And you know that this is next year is the 35th anniversary of the Cake Bible, and we're doing a complete revision, oh, new edition. Yeah, so Are you really? Yeah. You know, it's, it's easier. I studied fashion design at FIT many years ago, and I learned it's easier to start with a new garment than to alter one. Well, it's also true with the book. But this is a book that has changed people's lives, including mine. It started careers. I'm not about to start a new one. I'd rather alter than old one and add all the new discoveries and make all the tweaks. Oh, it's so different now. Yeah. So, but, you know, the thing is you have, you can tell with your writing, first of all, it's very lucid, so, you know, anybody can understand what you're saying. 
but um, you, you kind of think about all the angles and you have so much experience and with this that you, you come up and, and tell us things that, that I wouldn't even think to ask. And, and I didn't realize I didn't know. It's, it, this is the kind of, I mean, is this just accumulated experience or what? You are the best interviewer. You understand, and a lot of people don't realize, that there are things that people don't know that they need to know. But when you spend your life thinking about it, and this is like the quartet in my four Bibles of pastry and pies, cakes, bread, and now cookies, I've come to understand about all the ingredients and all the things that can go wrong and all the things that people need to know. And I get rid of the extraneous, so I want to make sure people see the important things. Well, you do. <laughs> you do indeed. Mm-hmm. You know, you, tell us, tell our listeners how, oh, I just opened this. This is the cutest photograph. I've got to mention the photographs too. Oh, your lion's paw cookies are fabulous. <laughs> Aren't they? I developed that recipe 100 years ago for a safari magazine for teenagers. Yeah, so you read that. Yeah, but the thing is, it was in my other book, but I never liked the way it tasted. I just had to make it sturdy enough to hold up the shape, and I took <laughs> on the challenge to make it also delicious to eat. So that's in the new book. Well, there are some recipes they're just adorable. Thank you. There are some recipes that are my favorites from before, but I've tweaked all of them because, again, the cookie bo- the Rose's Christmas Cookies was written about 32 years ago, so oh, a lot has changed. Yeah, it's kind There's of so much uh, it has changed in terms of ingredients and techniques and equipment. Exactly. It's hard to keep up. Um, mm. Tell our listeners how you organized this book. Well, I divided it into different types of cookies, like the drop cookies, the rolled cookies, the meringue cookies. And also, the important thing in organizing was also how the recipe layout is, because it makes it easier to read when it's set up correctly. And I've always liked the charts for the ingredients. It's easy to see exactly what you need. But I've also put in the mise en place, which is French for putting in place. In other words, yes. advanced preparation, so that you don't get halfway through the recipe only to discover that you should have softened the butter or you should have processed the sugar exactly. or chopped the nuts, you know. <laughs> so that's basically what the thought that we gave to this, and it seems to work very easily for people. And what are your baking gems? What, explain what those are. Well, I always put in pearls or gems or something that I think I want to call people's attention to that they might miss just reading through the recipe or reading through the front material that explains that, for example, there's a difference between bleached and unbleached flour, and unbleached will brown faster. There's also a way of making cookies brown faster when you need to using baking soda. They're all the little tips that hopefully meet people's eyes. And I've always, in all my books, I've put in, a heart by those the gems or tips because they're so important and they've always been changed to an asterisk or in the ice cream book they were changed to a little ice cream scoop which was really cute but <laughs> here they left it as hearts because when I signed the book I signed it love and cookies cookies are love and in fact my grandmother called me cookie as a little girl I completely yeah, you read, thought about I just, that until I wrote this you know, it came yeah I can see you being called cookie I mean I could see that <laughs> I bet. I'm, I'm, I hope you mean that in a good way. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I so, am small, you know, but um, yeah. yeah, this is the thing that people love about cookies, and maybe me too. They're not threatening. You know, I mean, you don't have to worry about taking a big piece of cake or pie. You have just one cookie, and sometimes you can cheat and take two. It's not necessarily cheating, but when you're trying not to eat a big piece of something, a cookie is a good compromise. Right, and and right. kids get a lot of fun out of making them too. I mean, it's something they can mm-hmm. they can play with, shape, uh, decide about, and still then eat and enjoy, which is yeah. Good. And also, there's the bar cookies, which you can make any size that you want. Right, yeah, right. that's a whole other chapter. Oh, literally. Yes. Let me get a word mm-hmm. in edgeways, girls. Okay. <laughs> My father um, always said that. I'm uh, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, is is there a boundary between cookies and cakes and the the other things you've written books about? Oh, yeah, that's a very good point because I once discovered that by adding boiling water to cocoa, you get double the flavor and you get a much better cake. So I thought, and brownies in the cookie category, why don't I do that with a brownie? 
and the brownie turned into a cake because other things have more moisture. Cookies are very low in moisture. Some don't even have water. So if I tried doing that with the brown, with a regular cookie with cocoa, you would end up getting a puddle. So that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest factors. And another boundary is sugar. Cookies need more sugar than cake. I mean, mm-hmm. a cookie is just about flour, butter, and sugar. But I still keep sugar to a minimum. Too much and it spreads too much, too little, and you don't have a chewy quality or as much sweetness as you need. But I'm very concerned about the flavor overtaking. And too much sugar and all you taste is sugar. You just want sugar to add enough to heighten all the other ingredients. Yeah, I, I hate when they spread. That's what really happens. <laughs> yeah. When you make cookies and they spread, so now don't yeah, cut well, back you know, on the sugar. Things, there are two things that also other things that can help. I wouldn't suggest cutting back on my sugar in the cookies because I use the minimum. But what you can do is if you use unbleached flour all-purpose, and I'm talking about a national brand because it has that protein that will absorb liquid because there's liquid from eggs and from other elements, and even the, the butter has water in it. So it absorbs that, and it doesn't allow the cookies to spread as much. Um, another thing is to chill the cookies after they're shaped before putting them in the oven, say in the refrigerator for 30 minutes, and have the oven hot enough so that they'll set up before they get a chance to spread. You also, know, I, weigh the ingredients so that you have the right ma- amount of sugar and, and flour because a lot of people think that if they measure, that's just fine, and it is if they follow the instructions. But for flour, you could end up getting one and a half, one and three quarter times the amount of flour that you wanted by scooping out the flour and then leveling it off. I always say to spoon it in lightly, and that way it will be very similar to weighing. Well, you know, the, you're, you're one of the the more liberal um, instructors in terms of the weighing process. Um, you, you actually make give it a rationale. I mean, <laughs> you give it a rationale. I mean, I actually wrote an article way to bake. You know, because oh, really? People sometimes need reasons to be persuaded to do something that they don't want to do. And our tradition in this country up until I put weights in the cake bible it was the first book to have weights and up until then people thought weighing is the way it makes me feel comfortable it's the way my mother taught me well my mother never taught me anything so it left me free yeah. i don't mean i just mean about baking my mother was a dentist and even her mother who had you, you said that and an orthodontist no less <laughs> yeah <laughs> that may be why you don't use over sugar <laughs> You know, it may be only because when you're not used to having that much sugar, you find it overwhelming. So growing up without a lot of sugar, that changed my taste probably. I think yeah. sugar is an inborn thing, but the quantity that you want is not. That's a learned thing. Same with salt. I don't want salt or so much finishing fleur de sel, sel on my cookies so that I get hit with a sharp taste of salt rather than it blending into the other ingredients and bringing them to life. Yeah, um, the, the, I don't have a, you know, a preference for a lot of sugar. I mean, I get turned off by a lot of sugar, actually. Um, and so, how so do you I, feel about how do you feel about macaron than the French macaron? Because they're like predominantly sugar. They're, they're yeah, you know, I've I've never really. I love when I read it in your book in this book. You've never been crazy about macaron. (laughs) I never have. They're so pretty, so they're always a disappointment when you taste them. Except you have one recipe in here, what is it, the the top of the line macaron. uh, It it sounds very difficult to make, but it sure looks gorgeous. But the thing is, it's worth it because it has lemon curd in the center, and then it has a moat, I think you call it, a little barricade of the best buttercream that has lemon in it. So that mitigates against all the sweetness because the virtue of the macaron is that it has the most wonderful texture. So I thought it was worth perfecting this one. It was actually originally a concept of Thomas Keller, but I used all of my components. Since I've already oh, there you worked go. Out I, think, I, was thinking, I was thinking of Thomas as you as you were speaking for for a different reason altogether, there, what was that? There, there is a businessmen's club in Pittsburgh called the Duquesne Club, very uh, elegant establishment, and the the dining population is is very large because the members love it. But the thing that they love more than anything else is macarons, and people steal them. <laughs> yeah, but they're not macarons; they're macaroons. They're coconut. Oh, yeah. And and they're yeah and and they are sweet. 
And I wrote the cookbook um, with the chefs um, from, from from that uh, club, and they the the port, the pastry chef deliberately left out some in, instructions and ingredients of the macaron the macaroons, so that they I got all kinds of complaints about people not being able oh. to duplicate them. I thought people didn't do that kind of thing anymore. And by the way, we were just in Pittsburgh for the first time for the International Association of Culinary Professionals several months ago. I fell in love with Pittsburgh. My mother had gone to dental school there, and she always talked about it, but I never realized how interesting and beautiful it is. Oh, it is, yeah. um, No, no, we we actually, I guess people scorn Pittsburgh because it seems kind of, Mm-hmm. Nowhere, but um, it, you have no idea how many cultural advantages, because it always had a um, top number of corporations for its size, and all the rich the uh, magnates were, would put their names on these art museums and symphonies mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. It's, it has a great market, and we went up to the top for our last day and saw all the rivers, an incredible view. I think people right. think of sure. Pittsburgh and the pits and the charcoal. I think that's your association. The way they used to think about New Jersey, where we now live on a mountaintop full-time, by the way, and it's near the Delaware Water Gap. Maybe sometimes it's good people don't know about the advantages of where you live because then they'll move there and it'll be crowded. <laughs> well, yeah. The tech scene is bringing in a lot of people from California, so uh, that it's affecting the real estate market enormously. Because people are, they're used to paying that for rents, you know, and it mm-hmm. wasn't typically Pittsburgh. Now, by, by, by the way, and, and interestingly, for, for reasons that I never entirely understood, my step my stepfather Frank Davidson was in love with the Delaware Water Gap, which, mm-hmm. which you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I can see it now. Because now the leaf. You go ahead. It's a geological phenomenon. Related to the melting of the ice after the Quaternary Ice Age, all that kind of stuff. But it's 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 a big thing with water going through it. It is, and you know what? The silver lining of losing the leaves in the fall is that I can see it once again from my office window. Ah, There you go. I can't see the water because I'm too far away. But going through it, you know, when you see those geological formations of how the striations and going at an angle from the ice age as it melted. It, it never fails to excite me. It's kind of like the Golden Gate Bridge. You never get tired of looking at some national things like that. Right. Now, you you have all these different techniques. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know why I never actually in my head put them all together as a, an organizational tool, but, but you've done that. Uh, so you have um, rolled by hand, dropped or piped, shaped by hand, rolled and mm-hmm. cut, holiday cookies, bar and cake cookies, meringues and candies, and then your extra specials. Um, It's it's so logical that people can figure out what they're wanting to tackle before they even get into the individual recipes. I think it works very, very well as an organizational tool for something as broad a field as, as cookies. Oh, I'd like um, to replay that again and again. I just love what you said. I have to confess that the best compliment that I ever got was from my editor at Food Arts Magazine. It's no longer in existence. He said I was the most logical person he'd ever met, and I never thought of it. And now I have a stepdaughter who's a philosophy specialist in logic and professor in Minnesota. And I thought, I haven't told her that yet because I'm too shy about it because I'm not a ah. philosopher. But the thing is that I didn't have to think about doing it that way. It just came to me. It's the way in which I look at things. So I'm lucky to have that gift because there are many gifts I don't have, but that's one I happen to have. Yeah, but but you can see that. This is like part of why you're so successful with it. It it is natural and it is experienced and and you communicate it perfectly. I just think it's a wonderful book. Um, Thank you. That means the world to me. Oh, well. a, a story here. <laughs> you have, um, I, can, I opened it, now I lost it again. It was um, Mexican wedding cookies. Do you have that? Oh, your I, head? Can I can turn to it. <laughs> well, I'm, I just I'm, I had a question about it. Is when we were in Los Angeles once, I fell in love with a, a Mexican bakery, and they had um, these. They were supposedly Mexican wedding cookies, 
and I just was so in love with them. And I mean, as far as I can tell, they were um, they had cinnamon and sugar. I mean, they were like a sugar cookie with cinnamon, but mm-hmm. they were shaped such that I always called them alligator cookies. And, and yeah, and I loved them so much. Um, and I had a, a colleague of, of Peter's air freight them to me, especially when I was pregnant. <laughs> Amazing. That's a good example. That leads me to a but I, I've never encountered it anyplace else. So these are not quite like what I remember. But, but do you know anything that, about where, this? Where were you again? In, where Los, was Los you? Angeles. Okay, because that's so interesting that I have a recipe, I think in the pastry Bible, for alligator cake, and I bet it was the same bakery. Could be. And I it was bet. like an alligator. It used nuts, to, I think, to make the scales. I don't know how you turn that into a cookie, but the thing about Mexican wedding cakes, they're like little explosions you know, they, with all the powdered sugar and the tenderness, and they, they don't just exist as Mexican. They're also Austrian and Greek, the corumbiatas. Oh, yeah, that's the one that reminded me the most of them, was that, that, the Greek one, yes. Mm. Um, they freeze very well, too. I don't think I've ever had enough left to freeze. I didn't find that. <laughs> Did I say they I always, you know, when I started writing the cake Bible, I would take every cake I ever did and see how long it could last at room temperature, refrigerator, and freezer. And, of course, people's temp- freezers are different temperatures. You know, yeah. below zero, things can last a lot longer. But I thought it would be really helpful to know because the cake is big. With cookies, most of them keep so well at room temperature if they're airtight. You know, as long as you don't store the crispy ones with the moist ones because then they exchange characteristics, you know. Uh-huh. But otherwise... And also, they don't usually last very long because people love them so much and they keep them in their hand in the cookie jar. Now, you, know, you have your favorites. Tell us about what some of your favorite recipes in here are. Well, I can do two categories. One is chocolate and the other is not chocolate. My favorite <laughs> chocolate one is, and I'm not saying I prefer one to the other because they're two separate worlds. They're both so wonderful. But the chocolate one that I love the most is the truffle cookie where a truffle is baked into a chocolate cookie. And the non-chocolate one is the lemon butter bars that I now make with cranberry. And I'll never go back to plain lemon again because it's a marriage made in heaven. You know, and the thing is that I've always loved lemon butter bars and I perfected it. Originally that recipe had cornstarch in the lemon part. And I thought, why not use lemon curd and use all yolk? And you get the maximum flavor and no starchiness. And then I've also worked hard to perfect my shortbread, which is the base. And with a new element, you just cook the dried cranberries in a little bit of liquid. And the dried cranberries are sweetened, so it's not totally tart. You know, but the tartness of the cranberry and the tartness of the lemon blend so well with the buttery crispness of the shortbread that I'm now salivating, wishing I had one. <laughs> Those are just two of my favorite. My husband contributed the third, and that's a spice cookie that rides the cusp between sweet and savory because you can serve them with goat cheese or you can eat them plain. Oh, nice. And are you ready for this one, Peter, if you like the pronunciation of cookie in Dutch? These are called pepper cockers. Yeah. And what it, yeah. <laughs> and what it means is pepper cookies. It's a Scandinavian cookie. He came from Minnesota, and his... Tai Chi Sifu, his mother made this recipe, and he had a beg for it. I think you probably read about this one, Anne. Uh, he had a beg for it for years, and it's just the way she gave it to us, but three times the length and description, because we like to give the technique <laughs> details. But, oh, they're just addictive. And when his daughter actually had some in Minnesota in her desk drawer, forgetting about them for three years, they were so good because they had so much spice and ginger that's a preservative, but none of the nasty, I consider clove a nasty spice. I mean, I like a little of it, a touch of it's great, but too much, and it's just, ew. Too much, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but this pepper cockers are worth the effort. They're just easy to make, but you have to shape them. We use the tube from usually from paper towels, and then we can stand them up in the freezer, sliced really thin, and it's just one after, it's like potato chips. You just go one after the other after the other. <laughs> <laughs> Want more? <laughs> well, I, I love your, um, the, the titles of your cookies. I mean, like, where did you get the, the, the banana custard cuddle cookies? Cuddle cookies are perfect. <laughs> I love the word cuddle, and they reminded me of that. They're very comforting. You know, they're not crispy. They're more soft and 
approachable. And I, I love naming things. You know, one of, one of my favorite names is the Lemon Lumpies. Somebody actually wrote to me saying, why would you give such an ugly name to such a delicious cookie? And I said, it's not <laughs> ugly to me. Lumpy can be good. Not every cookie has to be pristine, you know, <laughs> perfectly shaped. In fact, nobody's going to mind if it isn't, as long as it tastes good and has a good texture. Here's, a, here's a, an unusual question for you. Have, have you ever met Mr. Walker? You know, all your questions are unusual. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't met him. And, you know, I might have actually one of the, the specialty food trade shows, but my dearest friend in San Francisco actually met him in Scotland, and he contributed a huge amount of shortbread to her Toys for Tots festival every year that they give to charity. So have you met him? Yeah, we, t- we talked to him at one of the specialty food conferences. Oh, there yeah. you are. And she said he's totally charming. The interesting thing mm-hmm. he told us, he told us that the company is prospering and he was going to build another factory in his hometown mm-hmm. to be able to make more Walker shortbread. Oh, my, my friend told me the same thing. And, you know, his yeah. cookies, they're not like commercial. I mean, they taste as pure as if it were homemade. Yeah, how does he do that? I don't understand how he does that. I think you can get away with that for cookies, especially because they have a lot of butter, which is kind of a preservative. But you can do it with cookies without having to add things like ice cream will become crystallized if you don't add some kind of emulsifier. You always taste it, and it has a gummy quality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've actually achieved a cookie that, I mean, an ice cream <laughs> that can last for two weeks in the freezer because it doesn't even use an ice cream machine. It uses Italian meringue, and that's what keeps it from crystallizing. So okay, it's darling. easy, it's delicious. It's the lemon, it's the lemon ginger cookie. Oh, ice cream. See, I keep talking about cookies because the cookie book just came out, but the ice cream book came out at the beginning of COVID and nobody knows about it because it never got any attention. So what I've been doing when I tour is I talk about ice cream and cookies and I demonstrate both of them. But cookies, yeah, now now that when I say cookie, I often say cake because we're working on the 35th revision of the Bible. So, yeah, so it's like so many subjects, all that are the same family, but each one's so very different that they deserve their own book. You know, I can't get over your brandy schnapps or snaps, brandy snaps. Oh, they yeah. They look like cannoli almost. Are they as hard to make? Well, I think that they're worth, even if they're slightly harder, they're worth it because they're so much better, in my opinion, than the standard, much heavier textured cannoli. Yeah. I don't think they're hard. With my instructions, trust me, they, they really aren't because I worked that out carefully. But you know what else I love, speaking of brandy, are the brandy balls, butter balls, bourbon butter. Oh, that's bourbon, actually, not Bourbon brandy. balls. Now, yeah. my mother used to make those. And uh, the best thing was because she made them for parties, they're no bake. Exactly. And they keep. And they yeah. ship. Oh, what, that reminds me of something. I... I had one disappointment is you had um, no recipe in here for a Sicilian uh, fig cookie called a cucciadate. You know, I've never heard of that one. And well, I have uh, a lot of Sicilian friends. I'm really surprised. What is well, the, the spelling varies according to where in Sicily, but um, a, a friend of mine who's a PBS chef local here um, he's Sicilian, and um, a couple of other of us are Sicilian in, in heritage. And, um, and we decided we would do a Cucciadada program on, his, on um, PBS, making these fig cookies. So they last forever. And, well, anyhow, we couldn't ultimately decide. I had all my family recipes. Every one of them was different. None of them was specific enough to drive you insane. It would call for something like a jar of grape jelly, you know? <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, but the, the real uh, the thing that finally squelched the, the whole program was when we finally agreed on a recipe that we all kind of was, would be familiar with, mm. it takes two days to make them. <laughs> With all the refrigerating and grinding mm. and setting aside and so forth, but I was hoping to find a definitive um, recipe for cuchadada in your book. 
And I love the name of it, too. You know, there yeah. is a recipe, the Syrian, I believe they're fig filling, that you really should check and compare because they're incredible cookies. They're so tender and delicious, and yet the dough doesn't fall apart when you work with it, which is kind of almost a contradiction. And then the filling, you have to use the best quality fig. But I'm trying to find it in the book, and I can't spell Syrian. <laughs> so how is that possible? Isn't it what Maybe it's not in the index. There's a very good possibility. No, I, I couldn't find fig in the index, though. I mean, there's, we always if we didn't want to say kuchidata, we said fig cookies. But um, oh. they they last forever in, in a cookie tin, not even refrigerated, just in a cool place. Yeah, well, last, fig is a wonderful ingredient. Yeah, they last forever, unless unless they were the ones given to Corny, Cornelius. Yeah, <laughs> some people like them too much. He, That's not Cornelius O'Donnell. Pay the price. <laughs> no, different one. I'm still looking for those Syrian. They're shaped by hand, and they're from my. Actually, my protege, who has a, a Syrian background, a lot really? of cookies are cross-cultural boundaries. You know, so you think it's unique to one place, and actually the ingredient grows in that same area. Uh-huh. So it's well, not I mean, no. it's just the, the different, the recipes were so diverse, not, not just in quantities, but even in ingredients. And I remember the main liquid ingredient was a bottle of, not, no size specified, of course. A bottle of port wine. <laughs> Where? Oh, that was in that? In that hmm? I, can't pron- I can't pronounce the name of those cookies. A bottle of port wine? Yeah, Kuchidata. I don't know. C-U-D-A-T-E. It's figs. It's not dates, right? It's figs, yeah. Figs and raisins and I mean nuts, everything in it is just wonderful. And and this dough, you could work with it for hours and it held up. And they baked it and then you used a very light um, icing, like just uh, powdered sugar and water kind of glaze on it. And I just they're, they're, they're just really wonderful and I think pretty healthy. But um, I had another problem is that all the recipes were you know, old relatives' recipes, and I never could get them if I cut the recipe down. Um, I couldn't mm-hmm. get the same result, so I ended up making 12 dozen of them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the thing they keep. <laughs> exactly. Well, we gave them away a lot of them. So. Well, I think this book is wonderful, and um, I, here's the, the one, the macaron I was talking about is the Crown Jewel macaron. Yes. I named and it I would love to have that, but I can't even imagine being able to make it. So, Well, that was the most challenging. I was a little bit afraid of macaron because I tried making it in the past and it didn't work out well. And the reason is that when I studied at Lenotre in Paris, they told me that they keep their egg whites at room temperature for weeks, that they don't go, ever go bad. So mm-hmm. I tried that with, because I thought in a lot of cases I don't keep it that long, but with a macaron, you can't keep it as long and you have to have it at least age three days, you know, otherwise it won't work well. And then if you're not adverse to piping, to using a piping bag, they're really pretty easy to do. Uh-huh. So I, re- I, re- I really recommend, I mean, if you have time to do it, because it, then you also have to make the buttercream and the lemon curd and all that. But that's why it's so wonderful, especially for the holidays when you have family and they come and help you. Yeah, well, way, I'm planning on, on uh, taking this book to Philadelphia with me for Thanksgiving so that uh, my 15-year-old granddaughter and I can make cookies. <laughs> that is the best tradition. I had always wished I had a grandmother who would make cookies with me. Yeah. But she's not a cookie maker. So well, I, I'm going to find that recipe for you for the Syrian ones. I know they didn't leave it out because I saw it the other day. You know, sometimes <laughs> recipes are cut. They always make the books too big. And I yeah, right. They always take out recipes you don't want to lose. I know. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll check again for it. Um, in the meantime, much success with this book. And I can't wait, actually, to have a, a, a new edition of the uh, Cake Bible. That's going to be great. Oh, good. Thank you so, so much. 
Yeah, and oh, listeners, again, it's, it's the queen of cookies and cakes and just about everything, Rose Levy Bum, and it's called The Cookie Bible and Grab It, and it's going to be a family activity adventure as well with all the different cookies in it. Let me know if you find out anything about Cochidati, Rose. <laughs> and by the way, they're on page 127. They're date night cookies. Oh, no, that's okay. not it. All right. I, too many recipes, too little time. I'll get it for you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and you're the best. Okay. Oh, dear. Thank you, dear. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Go ahead. Listeners, we're going to be talking to Amy Hepler in our backyard. Well, not really our backyard, but we're in Pittsburgh, and she's in Ligonier, which is a a spot on the map that I loved dearly for years, going to the wonderful races. Amy, you told me that that's how you found Ligonier anyhow, right? Yes. As a young person, my mother, who loved horses, and we grew up with horses, uh, we went to Ligonier to watch the The rolling rock races, right? Yes, so exciting. Such an exciting time. Yeah, the only thing wrong with those races was there was always a huge line for the ladies' room <laughs> on the porta potty or whatever it was. <laughs> of all that's things, the that you remember that, that the women most. Remember. That, well, that's the kind of thing women remember. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, we're talking to you about your company, Stamps yes. Toffee. Uh, and um, we. First of all, I loved it. Of course, I love toffee. But I, I, I just had this one little funny um, uh, call here um, that, that when Peter and I were talking about it, because it's so English, but uh, in a different format, I, I said, you know, there's this basic question, first of all, what exactly is toffee? It's certainly not taffy, which a lot of people get confused with. So tell us basically, what is toffee? Well, toffee is butter and sugar cooked to a high temp, and then it is poured uh, at that temperature, around 300, poured out, and we pour it out on stainless steel slab, like a table, Anne, and uh-huh. it sets up hard. We score it, and then we break it after the scoring, um, and then cover it in chocolate. So toffee is essentially the same as caramel, except it, has, it does not have uh, heavy cream or half and half or what, you know, whatever the caramel maker puts in there to give it more moisture or liquid. Uh-huh. That's it. And, and then and corn it, syrup, and a lot of times in caramels they add corn syrup, and people add corn syrup in toffee too to make it smoother, but we do not. We don't believe in corn syrup. Yours so is pure. And it, yes. listeners, believe me, this is a product to die for, even though I have, I have to say that Peter ate most of it. <laughs> you said it, you hoped it reminded him of, of England. Why is it that the English love toffee so much? You know, I do not know that answer, but it is kind of a mainstay. And, you know, there's even a National Toffee Day that's at the beginning of January, and it really is driven by the, by the British. Um, and I, I don't know. I think it's, it's a really comfort kind of, can, you know, food or, or confection. I mean, you feel good and warm and fuzzy when you eat it. Yeah, I know. Um, and, I do. And it's tasty. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just tasty, and it, it just satisfies that crunch and the the butter. You know, we use a lot of butter in our toffee. Yeah, I can um, tell. <laughs> and, yeah, and and I think that really helps helps the flavor as well. You know. Oh yeah, I, I, but I don't know that. Well, I think I mean I think the butter is one of the that's. That gives you that mouthfeel that's so important to toffee, I think, is what I think. But, right, right, right. Now, right, but absolutely. you're founding this company, which we haven't even mentioned yet, which is called Scamps Toffee, uh, was purely, um, well, it wasn't accidental, but it was 
and it, casual, wasn't it? It was casual. I had um, a, a partner. Um, we, well, actually, starting out, she had the recipe, and um, she had kind of shelved it for a while. She was looking for some new kind of venture, and she and I had a conversation one evening on the porch with a glass of white wine, and she said... <laughs> it all starts you, with that glass of wine, I know. <laughs> absolutely. That's always the downfall, Anne. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, I said, why don't you resurrect your recipe? And she said, oh, no, it's, no, I don't want to. And I said, well, I, it's so good. I mean, why don't you do it? And she said, I'll do it if you do it with me. <laughs> and I had, I had a background in New York in kind of uh, sales promotion, advertising kind of uh, stuff, mark, a little bit of marketing. And um, so she said, I, you know, you do that, and I'll, you know, and we'll, I've got the recipe. So we started out completely, completely naive, um, and we took the recipe and we tweaked it. And we got, we, we looked, we went to the chocolate shows, <clears throat> pardon me, and we looked for that, you know, better chocolates. We, we have a Swiss chocolate on our milk. We have a Belgian uh, chocolate for our dark. It's a 72% bittersweet. Yeah, like and then that. we also have a white chocolate, also a Belgian chocolate, which is this just incredibly smooth uh, white. And it's not like the American white that's kind of waxy. But going yeah. back to how it started, uh, we changed the recipe. We elevated the temperature in the toffee. And our toffee has walnuts. And uh, a lot of recipes have almonds, but ours is walnuts, and walnuts give it this kind of very um, earthy, smooth flavor that almonds don't give it. Oh, no, I mean, almonds are good as well, and there's other they nuts, have, of course, that can be added. Yeah, they, they have a slight bitter edge to the almonds, so. Yes. But, you know, yes. I mean, I often wondered why everybody paired it with with uh, candy, but um, Sarah, I, had a, I had a I had a question, a fundamental sure. question. Yes. Is 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 your toffee hard or is it scoochy? Well, our toffee is is it's been defined by customers as tender, and I oh, think that's good. A perfect. That's a perfect word for the descriptor because our because we do not use corn syrup. Corn syrup. When you put it in toffee or in candies, foods in general, it acts as it, it smooths out the sugar crystals. Number one. Oh, okay. Number two, it makes it the the uh, confection uh, have more shelf a longer shelf life, and but it also creates a very hard um, product. Uh, mm -hmm. Because it, it acts kind of um, like I hate to use the word cement, but it, 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 that's how it, it affects the sugar. And oh, um, and so we do not use corn syrup for health reasons, but also for that reason. Therefore, because we have butter and sugar in our toffee, when you bite on it, it is it's poured thinly the toffee, and then it is very. It 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 snap. It still has a snap, but it it's mm -hmm. softer. But now, yeah. do you do you suck it or do you chew it or or both? Yeah, the answer is both because it, I think it depends on the consumer. Some people like to, you know, really savor that chocolate and then get down to the toffee. I think it's it's the uh, consumer that you know each person kind of experiences it very differently. But you but you got to be careful with your false teeth. No, you do not. <laughs> not with ours. Anyway, we don't have people with false teeth. Either, so that's not <laughs> well, Peter doesn't have false teeth Maybe. either, but he he says that a toffee uh, makes it sticks to his teeth. But I I think no, he, it didn't no. stick to his I teeth because he ate the whole mess of it, every bit of it say, he ate. I don't, and I don't think he really had any of it because he would have known. Yeah, <laughs> no, was, his favorite. His favorite, though, is the uh, exactly the uh, exactly. Uh, what do you call it? The, the syrup or the what do you call that? In the jar, 
Oh, the, the sauce, the, the toffee the sauce. The sauce, yeah, yes. which he ate it, with a spoon. Absolutely. I mean, I mean you're not it, supposed to do that, are you? Yeah, it's, it's, it was gone in about a week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm really a little, when I think of it in retrospect, because that's my favorite candy since childhood has been like a Heath bar. How does that relate yes, to a Heath exactly. bar? Exactly. So you grew up in Pittsburgh then, did you, Anne? I did, but you know, yes. um, we. I had a neighbor who was the uh, uh, the voice. He was a singer for a Clark Candy Company, Wet Radio. Oh, how fun! And, and I got so much free Clark bars. But my favorite candy confection altogether was uh, was a Heath bar. Absolutely. Yeah, I loved Heath bars too as a child. Now, I, well, I don't eat any of that stuff because why would I? Uh, right. But, um, but the Clark bars were great, and they're, and they're, you know, and the Zagnuts and all those. Those were incredibly good. Oh, Zagnuts. The, the thing yeah. I remember about Zagnuts is that, um, I mean, I've never really done much with um, the psychedelics or drugs or anything like that. And the, <laughs> and the worst thing in the world is being totally sober in a room full of people zonked out. <laughs> And they're all eating Zagnut bars. That's the only association I have with Zagnut bars. The munchies, I guess it was called. Yeah, but, yeah the munchies. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, um, now, so, okay, so we're going back to, was it 2012 when you started this? Correct. And, I had and it was this little, hmm? mm-hmm. and yeah, well, and you I had a partner. You now own it outright, the yes. company. Yes. Um, yes. But, I mean, the, the Ligonier, if people don't know it, it's a very quaint, picturesque town with kind of a village vibe. And, and you started out, and like, you probably did a lot of experimenting in your kitchen, and then you moved into a, a small boutique, and it was an Correct. immediate hit. And it so was. you outgrew it real fast, right? Well, we did. Um, so a lot of things, we, we, I mean, we stayed in this little teeny space. Uh, we did everything by hand. It was, when I look back, it was insane. Uh, but, you know, that's what you, but that's, you know, ignorance is bliss, of course, and all yeah. of us might have had different paths had we known what was in front of us. But that being said, um, we, we worked out, like, you know, we created the toffee sauce, um, and, and as I mentioned, we changed up our chocolates and we just kept, kept at it. And we slowly started to build, uh, a wholesale, um, business as well. And then we also started to build a corporate business because yeah. companies would find out about us. And then during the holidays, uh, we would be doing their gifting, which was was wonderful. Yeah, um, good then, revenue stream. And you also, stream. yeah, and, and, and your background came in pretty handily, uh, or pretty handy when you, you actually packaged it and marketed it because yes. you, you knew how to yes. do that. So your yes. trademark is an orange bow. Yes, the orange How did that bow and the little box, the little square box, and that was very important to me to establish that little orange uh, color. I mean, people will come into our shop and they won't remember our name, but they'll <laughs> remember the orange box. They'll say, oh, uh-huh. you're the one with the orange box. Yeah. And that was, I did that on purpose because I wanted the identification when you went into a, a, a shop you, you know, not just my shop, but a shop, you would look across the room or you'd be in the candy aisle and you'd see the orange box. So yeah. that, was, that was very purposely done. Um, and all the, all the packaging and the marketing, all is orange. And even our little shop here in Ligonier, if folks listening can ever get to, to come to visit, it's all orange, the whole shop. Um, but now you so, can you market it across the country. Do you do overseas yes. as well? We do not do overseas. We're in 44 states, 44, 45 states right now. Um, we ship to Hawaii. You know, there's a Maui cookie lady. She loves <laughs> our our toffee. A Maui cookie lady. Yeah, oh, we yeah. shop. We ship to Alaska. We ship. I mean, really, the Dakotas. 
and I think, well, we shipped to Montana, maybe to the Dakotas and Wyoming, and I can't remember who else, that, that you know, the states that don't um, sell our products, but ev- we sell it everywhere else. Uh, so we, we started as a little retail shop, and then um, I uh, expanded, we, we went, we, we joined a wholesale platform which then expanded our market even wider um, to a lot of states, as I mentioned, and um, and and that and it just keeps taking off more and more and more. Um, and then, of course, we've had our Sophie Awards going to the show in June. Yeah, I was about to mention that this is how I got in contact with you, um, not geographical proximity, but because you took a gold, which was a, a topping in three, that category. Three gold. And three, three gold, gold. yeah. Yes. So uh, what gold. were they? The three. So so we so we went to the fancy food show, which is one of the largest food shows in the world, and it was held at the Jacob Javits Center in New York mm-hmm. City We've in June. We've been lots of times. Yeah, we've been there lots of times. Yeah, so I mean it's, it's exhausting actually. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's so huge. And we went, and um, I submitted our toffee sauce. That's what you ate, Peter, all the toffee yeah. sauce. <laughs> and then, and then, then we, um, I submitted also the toffee popcorn. So that's and, a good one, too. And then the toffee duo. And the toffee duo is half milk chocolate and half dark chocolate, the chocolates I mentioned earlier. And those three products were were submitted, and it's submitted to a group of chefs and foodies who are it's a blind tasted testing and they test they tested over 3000 entries and yeah. you had to enter into certain categories and we took gold in every category that we submitted our products in which were the which were the toppings category which was for our toffee sauce um, our our chocolate, which was actually for the, the toffee, was in the chocolate category. Uh-huh. And then we also did snacks for the popcorn. Right. So we won three golds, which we were really proud. And we I mean, were right you have to emphasize that these are highly competitive categories that you're in. Yes. yes. These are uh, every food that you can think of that's on the shelf at a supermarket. All of those folks are there, as you guys know, going. Yeah. And so it's all the biggies, and you're up against the biggies. Nestle's, I mean, you know, I, I'm just going to throw that out in, or Hershey's, or, you know, anytime there's a new product, as well as new products coming from small people like me. So it was very much an honor, and we were thrilled to pieces, to be honest. Well, you know, I mean, I honestly, I, I could never tackle that the jewelry part of it um, because I couldn't eat all that and I couldn't, I mean, you'd get palate fatigued tasting all that stuff, you know. I've talked to people who have done it. Oh, have you? Oh, yeah. I just, there's no way I could do it. I mean, I couldn't, you know. I don't even like wine tastings because you get palate fatigued if there's too many wines. Right, 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 right. So, okay, so you, you have those awards. Um, yeah. You have a, a thriving business in, um, in sending mail orders. Of, can you order it right off the website? Or? Yes, Sam, just through scampstoffee.com. So we have okay. a website. We have a retail store. We sell wholesale to shops uh, across the country. If you go onto our website, um, you can put in your zip code, and, it, and the stores in your area will pop up. Great. And additionally, we do corporate gifting. Yeah, we uh, also. Right. So we ship we ship for all of our corporations as well. Do, do you go go out to people who make cakes? I mean, I remember one of one of our guests a couple of years or so ago was at the Collins Street Bakery in Tech from Texas, which makes. The most amazing fruitcakes. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> I, and I, I, I can sort of pic- picture a Collins Bakery fruitcake with toffee icing on top. <laughs> would, would, well, would, I'm working on two killer. new products. 
Yeah, well, you I'm are. working on two new products, yes, that, again, we're very toffee-centric, I say, so it's... I'm not, I'm not letting the cat out of the bag yet, but um, I'm, I'm, it's, in the, it's in the works, you know. Um, and we also make barks. Uh, that, oh, yeah, barks. That was my favorite, actually, the barks. Yeah. Yep. And so we make, um, you know, different, you know, kind of dark chocolate or white chocolate or milk chocolate, and we'll put fruit on it or we'll put peanut butter mixed in it or we'll, uh, like, we have the North Pole Bark that we sell uh, just so much for the holidays with peppermint on it. Yeah, I bet. Uh, And it's so good. And uh, right now we've been making just mountains of that for all of our customers and shipping it everywhere. So, um, yeah. How many people do you employ? It it varies. Um, I have my I'm sure you have group. to bulk up at home. Yeah, exactly. So it can go up to twelve mm-hmm. folks, thirteen, depending. Um, and then my core group throughout the year is about four or five. Oh, it seems depending. like you'd need more than that with so much business, but all handwork. But well, I mean, I have to say that I just think it's a, a wonderful product. And um, Thank are you, you doing? Are, you know, you know I, do, I happen to love the category anyhow. I mean, I, I love toffee. So, um, and are you doing the winter um, fancy food show in Las Vegas? I am not. I'm. I've. You know. Um, I'm not. I'm. I'm New York is just fine with me. <laughs> it's, it's much, yeah, I think you reach more people in New York. I yeah, we never went to the San Francisco one. We always go to the New York no. one. Yeah. So yeah. So yes. Something something from Peter before we hang up. Yes. What? Most every Christmas table in England for the holiday season has a, a tin of what's called. Macintosh's Quality Street. And Macintosh's Quality Street is a combination of different candies, shapes and sizes, and that kind of thing. And but, but everybody has one. My brother and sister-in-law have a, have a big one because their children gave it to them, give it to them because they like it so much. I, I'm wondering why this is this is not something that you might have thought about and decided that. That was not for you. You want to be pure scamps coffee or toffee? Or would you be interested in a a mixture? Well, I'd always be, you know, up for conversation about, um, you know, uh, but I, 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 I need to stick right now to my brand identification. Sure, sure. And, and then eventually, you know, that's, that's like even with the barks. Because again, it's there's no some some of them have toffee in them, but some do not. Right. So I, I I I I feel like I'm still small enough that I need to continue that identification in this world of so many other oh, yeah. people out there. Um, I, I I many times I've thought about you know trying this or that. And then I have to put the reins on and say, or the yeah. brakes on and say, uh, no, no, you, you stick to the knitting, as they say, right? Yes, yeah, stick to your knitting. <laughs> yeah. you, 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 would, you would agree with our friend Mr. Walker from Walker's Shortbread. Exactly. They make shortbread and they make shortbread. They make shortbread. And then they, and then they make shortbread again. But yeah. then sometimes they put bits in it, right, Peter? Yeah. Different bits. So, yeah. so that's kind of what we do. And uh, I just I feel um, clear that, you know, as an owner, that's kind of uh, how I like to run my business. I'm not saying it's the right way. It's just the way I know how and I feel comfortable with. So, um so that's 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 how that's my Wait, philosophy. Well, you're doing fine, Amy, and uh, congratulations you, on on all your kind, recognition. Kind and, words, uh, thank you. And and may your success continue, and I'm sure it will. 
Thank you, Anne, and thank you, Peter. It's been really a pleasure to speak with you. And, and I you apologize too, again you. for being a little late with this one. No, that's okay. You, we, we, we got it done. That's good. <laughs> good. Great. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Okay. Send me another jar, Amy. Okay, Peter. You're funny. You have to come up here first to get it. Oh, dear. (laughs) Pretty place. I'm going to hang up now. Okay, thank you. you Bye-bye. Bye.